Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by CP4 Tuesday, February 2nd. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, and on today's show, we are joined by former NFL player, NFL scout, and current NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, who joins us to talk about the 2021 Reese's Senior Bowl. But first things first, Bucky, it feels like uh, this has you know, been the longest January in all time. January seemed like an entire year in itself, but how's your 2021 going so far? Uh, it's going well. Like, it's going well because football is still going in earnest. Um, you know, the pages of the calendar continue to flip. And so we go from the regular season to the postseason, Super Bowl, Senior Bowl. We then get ready for the pre-draft process. So uh, it's going well, even though it's been a different football year and offseason. Um, I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah. And how has it been different for you, Bucky? I mean, you do so much um, on the uh, college level, like looking at recruits and then going into the NFL and things like that. Like how have things specifically changed for you, knowing that these college athletes maybe haven't had the season that they've had in the past or the experience and exposure that they've been able to have in the past? I think it's the biggest challenge that most scouts and evaluators are facing. How do you balance those who have played versus those who haven't played? And how do you make reasonable projections on how someone's going to play at the next level when there has been a level of inactivity that could put rust on their game or kind of stunt their development? And so um, just looking at guys and you're trying to watch the tape and you're trying to see where they were and, and the talent that they have and really assess the talent. And I think it's important to kind of differentiate talent from skills. Talent is your raw physical attributes, your size, length, speed, explosiveness, those things. Your skills are how you play the game, what techniques and tools have you acquired along the way and how you implement those into the way that you perform. And so some guys are gonna come into the league with a ton of talent, but not as many skills. And there can be other guys who we maybe overrate who have tremendous skills, but maybe not the talent of some of the other guys. And so depending on your team, depending on the teachers and coaches that you have on the staff, you'll have to categorize, categorize those guys and make sure you pick from the right bucket to help your team kind of maximize its potential going forward. As someone who was not very talented or athletic, I have to rely <laughs> on my basketball IQ. So, Bucky, do you think they're one outweighs the other? Is one more important when you're talking about the NFL? Would you rather have talent over skill or vice versa? You know, then it comes down to what we call those critical factors, those intangible qualities. Because if you give me someone who is really, really talented and is a worker and very passionate about maximizing what they can do, then coaches can teach those guys skills. But if you give me a talented player who doesn't have like A plus intangibles, I'm gonna go with a more skilled player. Because the one thing that you know about someone who is skilled and is tech is technically sound and polished, like they're going to kind of max out whatever they have. And you can win a lot of games with guys who are very, very skilled until you kind of come up against a behemoth who is both. But given my druthers, I want someone who is passionate and who has spent a lot of time in developing those skills. All right, Buggy. Well, let's get into the Reese's Senior Bowl. Um, I have a sweet tooth. So let's start things off <laughs> by saying, do you have a preference on Reese's? Are you a white chocolate, dark chocolate, milk chocolate? Do you Ooh. have a preference or are you all of the? Um, I, I am I am the original. I think the one, if I had to put at the bottom of the list would probably be the white chocolate because yeah. that's, that's unique. I haven't seen that as much. That would be new, but I'm a traditionalist, so I'm going to go with the old school 
um, Reese's peanut butter cup. And if you can give it to me with maybe a little ice cream, Ooh. then I might be in heaven. Yeah. If, you, if I can crumble cream. it up. Yeah. If I can crumble it up with a little vanilla ice cream, then it might be the perfect day. All right. I like that. Yeah. The white chocolate usually comes out around <laughs> Easter time. And I'm like, what are you trying to sell? Won't give me this white chocolate nonsense. Um, but, you know, getting into the senior bowl this year was so different on so many different levels for the players, for the scouts, for teams. Um, what are your overall thoughts on the execution of this year's senior bowl? Look, I thought it was great because I might've been a little skeptical in terms of how are you going to pull this off? And I know people are handling the COVID situation differently in different parts of the country, but how can you handle this and isolate the players and guarantee that the players are going to be able to participate without putting themselves at further risk? And not only that, what about the NFL personnel that comes down? And so for Jim Nagy and his staff to be able to pull it off, to be able to put on a great product on the field while doing all of the other stuff behind the scenes that teams like to get done, the interviews and all of that stuff, man, hats off to them because it's something that I didn't think could be done. And the way that they did it, I actually think they kind of set themselves up for maybe utilizing a different format and several different aspects of the game going forward. What were some of the things that you saw that you liked that you do think are going to change going forward? Well, behind the scenes, they, they, they kind of did, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, they did the speed dating thing behind <laughs> the scenes. Like they put guys at tables with big partitions um, and guys were able to kind of do similar to how it's been done in the combine in the past. You get 15 minutes, you talk to a team, then you go on to the next table. It wasn't always like that. It was a lot of stand around and grab prospects as they went through. So it was more organized. Um, I think the organization made it easier for everybody to kind of pinpoint who they wanted to talk to, when they could talk to them and what information they wanted to gather. And so I, I felt like that was a good thing. That was one of the things that I know was really, really good in terms of on the field. I think the access that um, they have given the media in terms of miking up coaches and talking to coaches, particularly our way, like at NFL Network, it was hard for a lot of media members to get down there and really be a part of it. And so I felt like they gave additional access so we could at least get a taste of what was going on down in Mobile. I think those things will continue. Um, and I think that's important because the more we can bring the fans in and the connectivity, I think is a better product overall. I need to get my hands on that raw audio there. <laughs> How do you think, when you talk about the 15-minute speed dating, how do you think different teams approach those 15 minutes? Is it more X's and O's? Is it more getting to know their character? Because everything is so much more limited this year. And like I said, some players have played 11 games. Some players have only played five games. What do you think that 15 minutes um, were spent on? You know, it's, it, it's even tougher now because without the combine and everything being on pro days. Yes, you'll be able to meet players and have conversations via Zoom, but face-to-face -face interactions you want. I think a lot of it, if you, if you poll most evaluators, they're trying to get to know the player because it's really important before we can think about what they do physically, are they a good fit in the locker room? And I know culture is a buzzword that is tossed around a lot, but every coach, every organization has a culture, have a, a set of shared values that they believe in. And it's really important that the guys that you bring into the locker room kind of fall in line with those things. They exhibit those qualities or they have the ability to want to be a person who follows along with everybody else who exhibits those qualities. And so 15 minutes of getting to know the person, what their motivations are, what they're passionate about, I think that goes a long way to determining if guys are good fits or not.
how much do you have to rely on other people's word too when you're talking about those players? Because 15 minutes, I mean, I could sit here and lie to you about who I am and the things I believe in and who I am as a character, as opposed to, you know, people who have seen them on a day-to-day basis, you're relying so much more on maybe other people's opinion of that person's character. Yeah, I think it's a combination of, of all of those things. It's one-on-one interaction. Um, I'm interviewing the player. I'm getting to know the player. But it's cross-referencing what they tell me with what others around him gotcha. tells him. Right. Um, ath- academic administrators, athletic trainers, coaches, um, even going so far back as high school coaches and, and those people, principals. What was this player like? So you can kind of build a portrait on who this player is. And it doesn't mean that he's been perfect along the way, but as you begin to take all of the information and kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together, you wanna make sure that you have a clear idea of who this player is and who he's going to be when we drop him into our locker room. With more of a Louisiana focus, Tulane's Cam Sample was named the top defensive lineman on the American team. Can you measure how much the Senior Bowl helps players who go to a smaller D1 schools that aren't, you know, the Alabamas, the LSU, like how much that helps players like Cam Sample? Uh, it's a tremendous help. And for Sample, a guy who understood what everything was about when he went down to the Senior Bowl, he knows this is a big stage. This is a chance for me to go against some of the brand names, some of the guys that we've heard about that has been taught, have been talked about in the media all season longer for the last two or three years. Now I get a chance to compete one-on-one with those guys. And if I can compete and not only hold my own against those guys, but maybe win or dominate those guys, it certainly puts a feather in my cap. And for evaluators, when you look at a guy like Cam perform on that level, it does change a little bit um, the narrative that may have been surrounding his game coming into uh, the senior bowl and heading down to mobile, like, Oh, okay. This guy's a much better player in this regard than I thought. So let's go back and look at the tape and see if those traits pot and you're trying to measure what they did at the senior bowl versus what they've displayed throughout their collegiate careers. But yeah, the senior bowl can be a, a great launching point to maybe confirm what you've seen or maybe rewrite some of the narrative that you may have written about a player based on what you have evaluated up to this point. Uh, some of the one of the names that was tossed around a lot is obviously quarterback Mac Jones. I guess we'll talk about Alabama. Um, he didn't play in the game, but did, in your opinion, did he do enough? And has he established himself enough as a first round pick in this year's draft? You know, it's funny because everyone is going to have a, a, a different view on Mac Jones. Uh, Mac Jones, the, the positives, outstanding intangibles, great leader. Um, his toughness and resiliency showed out because he was a guy that sat behind Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa. He patiently waited for his turn, and when he got his turn, he seized the opportunity. Um, and even this year, there's a, a highly touted recruit that came in at quarterback that he had to compete with to retain the job, and he didn't. And then he performed at a level that no one could have imagined that Mac Jones would play like that. And that is a positive. He's a great passer in terms of touch, timing, and feel, and accuracy, and playing the game. Very skilled in that regard. The issues that some will have is everything goes according to script. He's going to be terrific, but he isn't the athletic playmaker that we've seen of late dominate the game. The Pat Mahomes, the Josh Allen, the Lamar Jacksons, the Sean Watsons, those guys have an ability to extend plays. He doesn't have that. And so I think when you're an offensive coordinator and a head coach, you have to factor in how good are the pieces around him if we bring him here 
can he be perfect enough when things are according to script that he can survive? Because if it's not perfect, does he have the ability to do it? And so I think he's going to be a first rounder for a handful of teams. And they're going to be another faction of teams that are like, nah, I can't put him as a first rounder because I just don't know if he's an A-level talent. Were there any other players, Bucky, that stood out to you, maybe that surprised you in the Senior Bowl this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Senior Bowl is always one where you get a lot of guys who, who stand out. I think at the running back position, Michael Carter from North Carolina stood out. <clears throat> he didn't play in the shadow, but he shared time with Javante Williams at North Carolina. Both of those guys are terrific, but Michael Carter was able to show on his own that he run inside, he has great vision, balanced body control, catches the ball out the backfield, those things were terrific. The wide receiver class was outstanding. Uh, so many guys impressed. Amari Rogers playing in the slot from Clemson was a standout. Joshua Palmer from Tennessee stood out. Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville had a, ter a terrific game on Saturday. Um, Kay Johnson, a small school guy from South Dakota State, showed up even though he hadn't played much. He hadn't played at all this year, but he, was, he looked polished and refined. Nico Collins is a big body guy. So there's so many guys that showed out of that position. Um, I think when you go on the other side of the ball, Carlos Basham, interior player from Wake Forest, was impressive throughout the week. Uh, Richie Grant, a safety uh, from UCF. And then I think the final guy that a, a, a lot of people would be intrigued about, Keith Taylor, the cornerback from Washington. Um, he might have had the best game that we've seen a cornerback play in the game in terms of being able to cover, being able to weather the storm in terms of the number of balls that were thrown in his direction and the way he held up. So there are a lot of people that a lot of players that helped themselves, and I can't even begin to name all the ones that really helped their draft status when it comes to it. I was about to say, how do you keep all these names together? I don't know how well, you do it. I'm terrible. Well, I got a trust. I got a trusty notebook right here okay. that you can't see off screen, so okay. I have it highlighted. I have some names that I may have talked about throughout the course of the week um, to do it. So I have a little cheat sheet that I'm that I'm that I'm looking at and referencing. You didn't have to tell us that. You should have just been yeah, like, no, oh, no, 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 it's, no, it's not off the dome. No, it's not off the dome. I wish. I wish. I wish it was off the dome. Well, we are a bit away from the draft now. It's going to uh, come to us quicker than I think any of us expect. But in your 1.0 draft, you have TCU safety uh, Trayvon Merrig mock draft to the Saints. Why did you pick him uh, as someone who would come to the Saints? Well, when you look at the Saints safety situation, you have a little bit of uncertainty because you don't know what's going to happen with Marcus Williams. Malcolm Jenkins has been great, but he's nearing the end of the line. At some point, you want to get a replacement and you would like to get someone there a year early before it's too late. You want him to maybe serve as an apprentice behind Malcolm Jenkins so he can kind of learn the pro way, understand the defense, take tips from the veteran, maybe before supplanting him. Or he plays alongside him and he can mentor him as he's getting comfortable in the game. When I look at the Saints team, I mean, it's still a very, very loaded roster. I know the biggest question mark is what's going to happen with Drew Brees and those things. But I think defensively, they have made major strides. I think you want to make sure that you keep that defense humming at a high level. All right. Well, Bucky, last question before we let you go. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you this. Who do you have winning it all this year? Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, I think it has to be the Kansas City Chiefs. And it has to be the Chiefs just because when you look at the talent that they have, particularly on offense, I just don't know how Tampa slows them down. Tampa has come on like game busters down the stretch. Obviously, uh, you guys saw it and feel victim to how they performed. But I just think the way Kansas City, I mean, I, we have to at least mention it. Um, I, I just think the way Kansas City is built with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and then the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, they put a lot of pressure on you. And their offense is maybe their best defense because they like to go, go to state Warriors in their prime. 
they put so many points upon you. They change the way that you play, and it's hard for you to kind of weather the storm. Oof, I like that. Golden State Warriors, Kansas City Chiefs, right up there. But it's easy to, it's easy to dislike them because they're so good. All right, Bucky Brooks, former NFL player and scout and analyst with NFL Network. We appreciate your time so much. Thanks for having me. Great conversation with NFL Network's Bucky Brooks. On to the New Orleans Saints. Saints fans, we have your off-season season recaps coming out on NewOrleansSaints.com and, of course, on the Saints app. First up is Drew Brees, and we don't want to get too much into it because I need my co-host, Sean DeShazer, to get more into that. But go ahead and head to NewOrleansSaints.com or the Saints app and read that season recap on Drew Brees. J.D. and I will do that and more season recaps here on the New Orleans Saints podcast, um, so you don't want to miss that. All Also, it was announced earlier this week that the New Orleans Saints have selected 24 local healthcare heroes from Oshina Health to attend this year's Super Bowl in Tampa Bay um, as guests of the New Orleans Saints on February 7th. So, So the guests were invited to recognize their unwavering commitment to their community throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. So we hope those 24 local healthcare heroes have an awesome time. I know this year is a little bit different, but hopefully they get some uh, relief and some happiness after everything that they have been through this year in COVID-19. Again, thanks to Bucky Brooks for joining us on today's New Orleans Saints podcast. Be sure to check throughout the week for our 2020 season recaps on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. Caroline Gonzalez. We will be back later this week with another New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Sydney.